I've already been reasonably mean to him today already, so we're fine. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till we get to the unreasonable part of the day. <laughs> I'm so excited for that part. I know. It's usually around eight o'clock at night when I'm about to go to bed. <laughs> and you're done. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre Content. And it literally is the middle of the month already. Horrifying. Very um, terrifying. Which is perfect, because yeah. it is spooky season, after all. <laughs> spooky, scary skeletons. Oh, my goodness. down my spine. When TikTok was playing that last year, I don't think I didn't sing it for like oh, no. three months afterwards. That's literally me, like during Christmas, just like waltzing around my house, like spooky, scary skeleton. At Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You know what? That's a Christmas vibe. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I mean, if you if you go the Ebenezer Scrooge route, it very well could be. Well, yeah, I guess so. I'm uh I'm also ashamed to say that I do not have my costume yet. Boo. I mean, you don't have to scare me. <laughs> I, so we went to Spirit Halloween yesterday. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and we walked around for a while and I just couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't not be Barbie this year. You know what oh I mean? Oh my gosh. You and like I can't, 40, I know it's basic. Yeah. I know it's basic, but like the whole thing is yeah. if I'm Barbie and other people are Barbie, then we can just wave to each other and be like, hi, Barbie. Oh and my goodness, yes. I appreciate that. And if you saw the movie, you appreciate that as well. Yeah, because there's um, tons of them, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. All different versions. Yeah. Right. And so I'm going to be Barbie and Chris is going to be Alan. I love that. Our yes. friends are also doing. Uh, a Barbie costume as well. So I'm very excited. It's just the thing of the season. It's just yeah. what was yeah. It was just really popular this year for this, good reason. And most most years I try to be a little off the beaten path, you know, yeah, sure. but like this year I really feel like I need to be Barbie. Just and that's, to okay. Happen. that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I I saw um somebody had posted a video of saying like everybody loves pumpkin spice why would i get that no i will have my black like coffee and i'm like okay that's totally fine but the reality is like sometimes it's okay to like what everybody likes because everybody likes it for a good reason like it's because i like good. it because you that like should it. be it's the full it's, sentence because i like it and it's good and so of course everybody likes it exactly it's good yeah <laughs> it's okay exactly. to be different but like i I don't think it should be labeled as basic. If you really want to be Barbie, freaking I agree. the Barbie, you know? Yeah. 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 And I'm not going to be Barbie, but I think people that do should have a lot of fun with it because it's probably going to be yeah. really cute. I've even seen people um, cutting out those like boxes and like they're taking oh, yeah. boxes with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Spirit Halloween has a costume where it's just the Barbie box. Oh, is it? That's and, so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can like dress up. There was a couple of different Barbie options. There was roller skate Barbie uh, from the yeah. from the movie. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the jumpsuit, the pink jumpsuit, Barbie jumpsuit, which is from uh, the movie as well. Okay. Um, which is what I am gonna be. Cute. And because the jumpsuit's easy, you don't really have yeah. to do anything else to it. You just like yeah. put on I have these like white combat boots and then I'm gonna get some really fun earrings and I think it's gonna be perfect um and then 
let's see there was that one there was the box and then there was just like traditional like barbie and it was like a dress that uh, said barbie on it yeah yeah that's pretty yeah. generic too yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be adorable. I don't know which yeah. one our friend is doing, but it's going to be cute. Yeah, I'm, I mean, blonde. you could do it a million different ways, honestly. Oh, yeah. And that's what makes Barbie so versatile. Indeed. Yeah. And so inclusive. Really. I agree. Yeah. Also, the jumpsuit will be easy for handing out candy because oh I don't have gosh, to worry yes. about like bending in like weird places, you know? That's true. Some that's of those dresses true. be short. <laughs> You know what? It's for another episode, but I have some real gripes with a lot of the costume companies that design for women. Oh my god. It They're, irritates so, the crap out of me. Of course, yesterday we had to pick out or we had to go by like the nurse section, right? Because Ugh. I'm always as a nurse, I'm yes. always curious about like what fresh hell do they have us <laughs> dressing up in this year? And they had variety of options. I will say I'm very proud that there was a regular nurse that had scrubs. Nice. Which okay. I think is the most appropriate and most accurate if that's what you want to be. True. However, mm-hmm. there was one costume. It was called Cardiac Arrest. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> Always with the puns, it like, too. It was called Cardiac Arrest. And it was like a black mini dress with mm-hmm. like a black nurse hat with a red little cross on it. And I'm like, okay. But like, I didn't know you could be cardiac arrest for Halloween. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I know didn't, it was a noun. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know you could embody that. <laughs> right. But apparently you can. Oh so that's goodness. nice. And you could probably, the thing is too, like, I do not want to dress up in something, especially because like, usually when we're dressing up, it's around other people. So it's like our friends or family sure. or something. Yeah. Like, I don't want my bum bum hanging out in front of right. my friend. Like I want to hang right. out with my friends. My bum can be right. covered for that. Like, <laughs> right. Like if we were in our early twenties and we were Maybe. like going out to the club, sure. I mean, you probably wouldn't because Absolutely you've been not. a grandma for your whole life, but <laughs> like my whole existence, your whole life. But like, I could see it, you know, and right. I, you know, we've That's been fine. there, it's, but like it's happened. All of these people are like families with children and <laughs> right like you know what i mean well and we get a lot of trick-or-treaters here so like the whole neighborhood's gonna be coming up to the to the house and i don't really want no you know yeah there's a costume there's a there's a perfect costume for a perfect time and place and not always is it family appropriate correct correct yeah and with that disclaimer let's get into (laughs) ours Before we get started, we just like to let you know that we are not experts on anything. If you've come to this podcast for any kind of advice, emotional, spiritual life, um, yeah. we are not the place to get that. Thank okay. God. We'd be terrible. Um, but we are the place to learn about things that we that you that we enjoy. You can learn about things that we like, but Correct. also things that uh <laughs> that you may not have known about previously so we encourage you to like learn along with us um and we have no good news today because we're talking about spooky things and it's going to take up a lot of our time which i'm appreciate because i'm a big (laughs) halloween person yes um so i think with that kirsten take it away okay So the topic for today is, well, okay, so the title is called Fright Night, and that's because we're going to be talking about a little bit of history around one of the multiple of the iconic 
Halloween ghouls, right? So we're talking witches, werewolves, vampires. Just want to cover the spectrum on some of our favorite characters. Um, Some of you might be dressing up as some of these this year. So get a little history lesson on your own costume choice. That's kind of cute. Definitely. And we're going to start off with what I think, other than vampires, is one of the most iconic, and that's witches. I can't tell you how many times I've dressed up as a witch over the years. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. It's simple, you know? It's simple. Totally. totally. So witches are obviously a classic spooky-ish season costume, and images of witches have appeared in various forms throughout history, of course, and that's from evil, wart-nosed women huddling over their cauldron. Um, you know, cackling, riding their brooms in the sky, wearing these. Clearly, giant... a man wrote that story. <laughs> yes, exactly. But the real history of witches is dark, um, and not this like kind of what like a caricature of something. It's mm. actually quite horrible and dates back as far as about 900 BC. So early witches were people who, of course, at that time practice witchcraft use mm-hmm. magic spells called upon spirits to bring about change or those that were perceived to have been doing those things and that's very important distinction it is most witches were thought to be pagans doing the devil's work many however were actually just natural healers and were so-called wise women whose yes. chose whose choice of profession was misunderstood so i would say almost like pre-medical Almost. Right. So I think a lot of this particular mm-hmm. um, assumptions had to right. be pre-science, pre, right? like pre-medication, right. Um, because if things were to happen to the general population, like getting sick or, sure. you know, having like food poisoning or something, the people that didn't get it were probably the witches, quote unquote. Right. right. Witches. Because right. they didn't because they had they knew what to do to avoid those things right and they also would then potentially know how to heal sickness which would be seen as this incredible feat of the time precisely and again misguided judgment they're like she's a witch and it's like well no i'm just a nurse but thank you (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) that is such a compliment for my profession (laughs) right (laughs) Wow, I've really come so far. It's witch and educated drug dealer, I think, are the two (laughs) for nurses. I like that very much. I do too. I like the second one a lot. Yeah. Uh, I will say in modern times, though, and maybe then as well, like there probably were those who practiced things outside of natural healing that might have been considered witchcraft, but not like somebody cursing someone. It's more like... It's just a lifestyle choice and like right. a religious or belief system that they carry. Correct. It's just, it's just a lot. Okay. It's a lot. It is unclear, however, exactly when witches came on the historical scene, but one of the earliest records is actually in the Bible, apparently. And it's in book one, Samuel, thought to be written between 931 BC and 721 BC. And it tells the story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Palestine and uh, army. So is Samuel in the Old Testament or the New Testament? My grandma would be so disappointed in me right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's okay. Let me look know. it up because I just oh, I like I think it's old. I was I gonna say it, this sounds like an old testament story because the old testament <clears throat> has some cool stuff in it. it <laughs> so yeah, I think it is old testament. Okay. Um so the witch roused Samuel, who then prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. The next day, according to the Bible, Saul's sons died in battle and Saul committed suicide. Um, other old oh well there you go so other old testament verses so oh good was, yeah okay uh condemn witches such as the oft-cited exodus twenty-two eighteen, which says thou shalt not suffer a witch to live additional biblical passages caution against divination chanting or using witches to contact the dead although apparently saul did not get that memo at the time so it clearly is <laughs> yeah so here we have probably some early <laughs> uh uses of the bible against a certain population uh, yeah, absolutely as 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 one does um the hysteria portion of witches um kind of took hold of europe pretty early on we're talking like mid 1400s ish uh mm-hmm. and when many accused witches then confessed often under torture of course uh to a variety of wicked behaviors and i say of course because sometimes you just say yes because the no is worse uh, in terms right. of what you're dealing yeah. with. And like, obviously these 14, these women in the yeah. mid 1400s didn't go through some kind of CIA, like torture no. training. Like no. they were just right. regular people. Yeah. Just pulled off the street. And it could be, we're also assuming a lot here. Like the, uh, I know when people talk about the Salem witch trials, I mean, they would just pull anything out to be like, ah, right. well, she plucked her nose hair earlier this morning. Right. She never does that. She's a witch. Like, it's, it's that kind well, of thing. <laughs> and let's remember that as a result of these witch hunts mm-hmm. down the road, we have the plague. Because why? Right. Because they got rid of all the cats. Because who likes cats? Witches. Witches. That's right. So here we are. Y'all, cats. y'all played yourself. I've just so true. I mean, if you don't have cats, what do you do have? Rats, freaking parasitic right. infested rats. <laughs> right. And so the rats sick. had the fleas and the fleas yeah. had the had the virus, the virus. and the virus yeah. infected the people. And it's and a whole that's thing. Science, people. And that's science <laughs> and food chain kind Blair's, of in a weird way. <laughs> Blair Science Corner. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> just had to bring it up. You know? <laughs> it's true. So within a century, witch hunts were common, and most of the accused were executed by burning at the stake or hanging. Single women, widows, and other women on the margins of society were, of course, especially targeted, and that's more probably because they didn't like them and were trying to find an excuse to get rid of them out of society because they were weird or not like integrated into the, the cult mind or whatever. Anyway, right? I said what I said. Between the years of 1500 and 1660, up to 80,000 suspected witches were put to death in Europe. Around 80% of them were women thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. Because who In cahoots? <laughs> I've seen freaking Morningstar, okay? He's cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Germany had the highest witchcraft execution rate, while Ireland had the lowest. So that's cute, I guess. I don't know. It's fun facts. I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, even at the lowest, the fact that you had any is kind of sad. Um, yeah. The publication of Malleus Malficarum, written by two well-respected German Dominicans in 1486, likely spurred witch mania to go viral. 
The book, usually translated as The Hammer of Witches, was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. This publication uh, labeled witchcraft as a heresy and quickly became the authority for Protestants and Catholics trying to flush out witches living among them. And for more than a hundred years, the book sold more copies of any other book in Europe sans the Bible, of course. Mm -hmm. And of course, here also in the States, this gave way to the Salem witch trials, which we touched on here. And this was in Massachusetts. The Salem witch trials began when nine-year-old Elizabeth Harris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams began suffering from fits body contortions and uncontrolled screaming of course today there's a scientific explanation for a lot of this uh in particular uh a fungus that caused them to become poisoned and then of course then caused the spasms and delusions oh but ultimately around 150 people were accused 18 of which were put to death right and that's witches in a nutshell. Obviously, the Salem witch trials are significantly more in depth than that, but I'm not going to go in more in depth. Right. Than that that's a whole got, podcast. That is literally right. an entire podcast. So we're just yeah. going to skip right on over. <laughs> uh, vampires. Um, no, this isn't the Edward Cullen version. Oh, darn. I know, right? I wish they were shiny. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, uh, also, Sorry for my bad singing there, but that I like. It's fine. Gotta do. It's Twilight, man. Somebody posted a video of the um, clothes in Target right now with that background and uh -huh. is giving uh, giving Bella. Uh -huh. <laughs> I may say so. I thought it was great. Twilight fans unite. <laughs> The books were really great. I'm not going to lie. The books were so good. The books were fantastic. I really enjoyed yeah. those. And I'm really sad that it's kind of like that the whole shot. This is a tangent. I'm sorry. But that the whole genre has turned into a joke for a lot of people. It's it just so hurts. the books were good. Yeah. The I rewatched the yeah. original Twilight the other yeah. day. It is awful. <laughs> Perfect. So bad you know what as, as a like, teenager though i was like mm. i know, I know. This <laughs> spot is, on like honestly as a teenager i was yeah. like this deserves an oscar this is amazing <laughs> this is everything and like now i watch yeah. it again and i'm just like this is the worst this is awful acting i have ever seen and mm -hmm. like the the amount of like awkward pauses and just like sure. angst is like palpable and it's awful it's yeah. so bad it's like yeah. so bad it's good but that's uh, that's literally just like literally that's what makes it so good because as yeah. an adult you're like ew but as a teenager you're like that's love that's that's, that's exactly love. that's what I want that's this literally right. what I want you know what I mean right yeah, yeah. the angst is there it's, it is there oh yeah. god Ah, uh, 2020 is hindsight this is great <laughs> oh man. Uh, these are not those though so right 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 instead right. these were very evil mythological beings that would roam the night in search of victims to of course suck their blood ew often associated with yum <laughs> gross <laughs> <laughs> often i used to tell patients because they were sorry this is no, a tangent fine. Uh, really quick i used to tell patients that um because they would complain to us mm -hmm. about like having to get their blood drawn every day in the uh, hospital yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. and i'm like well we have to feed the vampires downstairs oh my God. in the basement <laughs> the worst <laughs> the worst like i think eight out of ten times it got a little chuckle <laughs> what else are we gonna do what else <laughs> are we gonna do they're starving right 
That's awful. I love it. <laughs> Can you imagine selling that to a child? Like, well, oh no, I would never tell that to a child. <laughs> Only adults. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, because they're already freaked out. I would That's never fair. do that. Yeah, I I don't think that I would chuckle. I would already be passed out, so it wouldn't really matter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> for those who don't know, Kirsten <laughs> passes out when she gets her blood drawn. It's fun time for everybody involved. <laughs> <laughs> Every nurse loves me. <laughs> I don't think I've had a single nurse that's like, oh, yes, she's here. <laughs> You're my favorite patient. Yeah. She's the one that needs to lay down. <laughs> yes. And I need to offer her copious amounts of juice. I never want the juice. Stop offering me you juice. You have to have the juice, Kirsten. I really do try to force it on you. <laughs> you need the juice or water. At least have some yeah. water. I'm like halfway out the door and they just try like one more time. They're like, juice. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> drink like, that juice. Drink the juice. <laughs> That's I'm me with a- my patients every day. I'm like, drink that juice. I will not join your nurse cult. You can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so legit too. I feel bad declining so often because they keep incessantly asking. Well, because we want your blood sugar to be okay, and like we want you to be like perked back up with a little bit of sugar, and like there's reasoning behind it. But, oh, for like, you sure. Don't, you don't have to have it, obviously. Uh, uh, that I think that's a lie. <laughs> I think that's made up. (laughs) I think if she could, she would force it down my throat. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, is because you passed out, that means that your blood pressure at one point was low. Oh, yeah. And then you have to bring it back up. And a great way to do that with a healthy individual is give them fluids. (laughs) You know what bothers me, though? They always do. They always want um, fasting blood work. Yes. You know, so like, of course, it's low. It it is. It is 8 a.m. And I haven't eaten anything since right. like four or five p.m. the Hence night the before. Juice. Hint, but Hence I don't the ju- need the right. juice. <laughs> yes, you do. Your blood sugar is low. Your blood pressure is low. You're probably dizzy and and not feeling well. And you need the juice. Before. Juice solves all the problems. I was dizzy when she rolled out the cart with the needles on it. That's, right. That's, that's what I'm saying. We you need the juice. <laughs> no, I just need to not be there. <laughs> That's great. If anybody's interested in my medical history, we could do a pod on it. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, right. I'll let you go. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. So we're doing, what are we? Vampires. Right? Vampires. Okay. That's how we got here. <laughs> it's like, are we still on witches? What are we talking about? No, we're on vampires now. We got Specifically, it. Count Dracula, which I think a lot of people know, or if you don't, well, I'll tell you where it came from. So Count Dracula Uh, which is the legendary subject of Bram Stoker's epic 1897 novel, uh, is essentially the core history of vampires um, beginning before even Bram Stoker was born. Uh, Vampires harken back to ancient Greek mythology and embody a superstition that thrived during the Middle Ages. There are almost as many different characteristics of vampires as there are vampiric legends, but the main ones are, of course, that they drink human blood They typically will drain the victim using their fangs and then turn them into vampires. Although that is a little touch and go because some say, oh, well, if they're a virgin, they'll turn into a vampire. If they're not, they'll turn into like a zombie, basically. And we'll talk about zombies later. Oh. Yeah. Apparently there's a discrepancy. So I don't know. Wow. If I, if I find a vampire, I didn't know that there was like a chaste requirement to be a vampire. Of course there is, because this is that men. would not work in the Twilight universe. I, oh, I, well, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I know. But, but the thing is, I feel like 
so a vampire vampire in general from what i understand and maybe they'll talk about it i don't remember but it is um it it's thought to also be attributed to a certain um disease like a physical disease or also when a person passes uh, what happens to the body afterwards can make it look as though it's taking on some of these like the fangs and things like that oh interesting okay i know from a medical standpoint that that is true and that that did happen and that that was attributed to vampirism but i also strongly believe that this was also considered a man's thing like oh if you're chased then you know whatever you get an afterlife i guess that was that it so like vamp being a vampire would be your afterlife is that what you're trying to say i guess so yeah interesting gotta protect your women i guess they were like oh well if you're chased you'll turn into a vampire and you'll have to drink human blood but if you come with me oh i see you won't have to worry about it because they can't make anything out of you right Right. That's more what I was insinuating. I got it now. Okay. In addition to the whole situation where you're turning into a vampire if you get bitten with their fangs, blah, blah, blah. The other general tr- uh, characteristics that they uh, assume a vampire has mm-hmm. is that they only hunt at night because sunlight uh, weakens their powers for some reason. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, some may also have, of course, the ability to morph into a bat or apparently a wolf, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Yeah. That's apparently interesting. They could do one Again, the contrary to the Twilight universe. True. Right. Because otherwise they're completely separate and they hate exactly. each other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they also would then have super strength and often have a um, hypnotic sensual effect on their victims assumed to lure them in so they can, of course, drink their blood. Right. Um, and then, of course, the final one is that they can't see their own reflection in a mirror and they cannot cast shadows, which, Cute. to be fair, if you can't go in the sunlight, that would be a good reason to not cast a shadow. But I guess you could cast a shadow if the moon is bright enough. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's thought that Bram Stoker named Count Dracula after Vlad Dracul, also known as Vlad the Impaler. Uh, he was born in Transylvania, Romania, and he ruled Wallachia, which I don't know if that's pronounced Wallachia, but that's what I'm saying. And that's okay. in Romania. <clears throat> and this was uh, between 1456 and 1462. Uh, some historians describe him as a just yet brutally cruel ruler who valiantly fought off the Ottoman Empire and earned his nickname because his favorite way to unalive his enemies was to impale them on a wooden stake. With a wooden stake, which is relevant. <laughs> it is. Because that is how you kill a vampire. Precisely. Um, and if you have to choose a favorite way to unalive your enemies, I mean, that's not a terrible choice, truly. It is a very skilled choice, though, because you it's have true. to get close to your enemy in order to be able to do it. You that actually so skill is involved, so keep that in mm. mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have the skill. Uh, according to legend, Vlad enjoyed dining amidst his dying victims and um dipping his bread in their blood, which is probably where the story stemmed from. Again, you're just kind of taking the body of Christ. <laughs> oh my god, no, <laughs> that is different. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. No. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> My grandma would be so ashamed. <laughs> Whether those gory tales are true is unknown, of course. Some people like to stretch the truth, so who really knows? And many people believe these stories sparked, of course, the imagination to create Count Dracula, who was also from Transylvania, sucked his victim's blood, and could only be killed by having a stake through the heart, as you stated. Uh, according to Dracula expert Elizabeth Miller, however, Stoker didn't base Count Dracula's life on Vlad Dracul at all. Nonetheless, the similarities between the two are intriguing, at least. Uh, Mercy Brown may rival Count Dracula as the most notorious vampire. Unlike Count Dracula, however, Mercy was in fact a real person who lived in Exeter, Rhode Island. Haha, <laughs> shout out to Rhode Island. I love that this is a woman. <laughs> all and right. I I also have not heard of her, but I'm very excited about what you're about to say. Slay queen is all we're going to say. Exactly. <laughs> and she was the daughter of someone named George Brown, who was a farmer in Exeter, Rhode Island at the time. And after George lost many family, mem family members, including Mercy, in the late 1800s to tuberculosis, which was running rampant at the time, unfortunately. Where's John Green when you need him? Honestly. I know. His community used Mercy as a scapegoat to explain all of their deaths. And it was common at the time to blame several deaths on that one family member. Um, and they were considered the undead as well. Uh, oh. The bodies of each dead family member were often exhumed and searched for signs of vampirism. And when Mercy's body was exhumed and didn't display severe decay, which wasn't surprising since her body was placed in an above ground vault during a New England winter. And if you don't know what that is, it's freaking cold. Um, so essentially she was being, uh, she was essentially in a, a makeshift fridge almost. I was going to say she was being refrigerated. <laughs> she was a thousand percent being refrigerated. <laughs> so she wasn't decaying as fast because she wasn't in the ground, you know, right. whatever. But uh, I but don't the, think they knew that at the time. Uh, definitely not. Okay. Um, so because, and I know that <laughs> because the townspeople accused her of then being a vampire and making her family sick from her grave. She was dead. <laughs> But not they, them not knowing that tuberculosis was a thing <laughs> and the fact that like the air was making them sick in the home. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. Um, so they cut out her heart, burned it, and then fed the ashes to her sick brother. Ew. Did not help. Did then, not. I can tell you right now that did not help him. Indeed, because the next sentence says, perhaps not surprisingly, he died shortly thereafter. Yeah. So, I mean, sad, but true. My professional opinion, not helpful. <laughs> they really thought they did something. They really <laughs> so anyway, that's unfortunate. But Mercy is probably one that not a lot of people know about. So I wanted to make sure to share that story. Surprisingly, there's nothing about garlic mm. in this particular no. thing. Um. There is not. But I really do like garlic. And I feel like <laughs> when I eat garlic, I'm like, I'm keeping the vampires away. It makes me feel good. At about least we myself. know you're not a vampire as well. Right. So right. that that's great. Good Can confirm. You. If I had to pick a mm -hmm. character, a Halloween character that I was, I would definitely be a witch. Like hands uh, down. Witches are perfect. Yes. Truly. Mm -hmm. I, I have I have a black cat I you, you know I practice in the art of medicine like it's all there <laughs> it's written on the walls cracking <laughs> Blair witch trials I mean come on <laughs> literally literally your identity right now <laughs> literally my identity right now how could you be anything else <laughs> right I agree that witches are also super fun you know they have a lot mm -hmm. of fun I've heard they have mm -hmm. a lot of fun I I cannot confirm or deny. It's kind of like blondes have more fun. It just really right. depends. 
Yeah. It's just really up to the individual. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So that's it for vampires. Uh, we're now going to move into what we thought was their mortal enemy, the werewolves, but turns out they could also be wolves. So who knows really? <clears throat> According to some legends, werewolves are people who morph into vicious powerful wolves while others claim that they are a mutant combination of human and wolf though all of them are considered bloodthirsty beasts fun times descriptions of werewolves do date back as early as greek mythology as well and early nordic folklore it's unclear exactly when and where the werewolf legend originated where some scholars believe that it was actually debuted in the epic of gilgamesh which was the oldest known western prose when gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf so there's rough that. yeah it's a, it's a bad day werewolves were made uh, werewolves made another early appearance in Greek mythology with the legend of Lycaon. According to the legend, this, uh, Lycaon, the son of Pelas, ah, Pelasgus, that's a hard one. Pelasgus? We're going to go with that. Um, Pelasgus. They angered the god Zeus when he served him a meal made from the remains of a sacrificed boy. And as punishment, the enraged Zeus turned Lycaon and his sons into wolves, which may also be where we get lichen, which is another term. Oh, for yeah. Yeah. True, true, true. And werewolves also emerged in early Nordic folklore. As we discussed, the saga of the Volsungs tell the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. The father-son duo donned the pelts, transformed into wolves, and went on a killing rampage in the forest. Not good. The Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. It made them ragey. It's like their first instinct is like, let's kill everyone. I guess Seems that's good. what happens. <laughs> Those pelts were interesting. <laughs> um, their rampage did end when the father ended up attacking his son, causing a lethal wound. And the son only survived because a kind raven gave the father a leaf with healing powers. So... Uh, go ravens i guess <laughs> uh, uh, that's great first of all we can't talk about football right now <laughs> second of all not the nfl <laughs> this is not the nfl <laughs> <Dag> nabbit. <laughs> um I, yeah I so know. i guess they didn't have any like control over their thoughts they just became like raged wolves like roid raged wolves I think that's legitimately like the the premise of the transformation. Okay. Like you you leave your human mind behind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to determine the scope of the powers here. That's no, that's all. fair. The pelts were like, I'm gonna take that brain and give you a dog brain that just wants mm. to eat everything, and mm. that's what happened. Okay. Actually, I could have just told it like that, and it would have gone smoother. It would have been the same. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. <laughs> uh, many so-called werewolves from centuries ago were, in fact, serial killers. However. And France had its fair share. In 1521, Frenchman Pierre Bergot and Michael Verdun allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them into wolves. It's always After downhill when you swear allegiance to the devil. Honestly, not great. Not After great. After 
confessing to brutally murdering several children. They were both burned to death at the stake, and burning was thought to be the one of few ways to actually kill a werewolf, which is why it was done that way. Ironically, it is also the way to kill a witch, and also a way to murder a vampire. So the theme is there. Burn, baby, burn. Just go <laughs> I mean, and burn. Oh. <laughs> I, look, I feel like they had a lot of sticks around. They're like, this has got to be the answer. Like, we I have mean, so many trees. <laughs> we have so just so many trees (laughs) this is the answer to getting rid of all of the potential nasties around us well and then but they did try drowning witches for a while too that was the thing that's true they're like well if she survives she's a witch if she doesn't we made a mistake but she's dead so (laughs) it's fine (laughs) it's fine it's fine either way (laughs) who does that (laughs) anyway uh, Giles Garnier, known as the Werewolf of Dole, was another 16th century Frenchman whose claim to fame was also an ointment with wolf morphing abilities. I don't know how we went from like wolf pelts to like wolf ointment. Right. And also. then there should be some biting stuff here. Right. Or like shortly. scratching. Because yeah, I'm going to get into a little Harry Potter uh, lore here as well. Mm. Isn't it Fenrir? Is that his name? That was the mm. wolf in the situation mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of Lupin. Mm-hmm. But the way that you became a werewolf was through either a bite or a scratch from a werewolf as a werewolf. Right. Yeah. So right. Friar Grayback or something Friar, like that. Friar. That's what it was. Yes. Okay. That was the the main yeah. bad guy werewolf. And yes, yeah. you have to bite or be scratched. Yeah. And I think depending on how well or you were bitten or scratched, then Um, you, it varied your powers a little bit. And then you had to drink a potion. That's why Lucian was able to teach at Hogwarts is because Snape was brewing him the potion. Right. To keep him human. Right. But then, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. We all know what happens. It's it's set. (laughs) So anyway, we've got more ointment is the thing uh and according to the legend for giles anyway as a wolf he viciously killed children and ate them he too was burned to death at the stake of course for his monstrous crimes again these are all just serial killers <laughs> just using an excuse whether Burgett what if we like what if we still burned our serial killers at the stake now honestly i feel like that's not a terrible idea <laughs> I'm not one for violence, um, but I don't know that I would be opposed. Also, keep in mind, these individuals, at least the ones that they just discussed, these these two examples, were unaliving children. Right. That's a problem. I feel like that warrants the extra oomph for death. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I just want to put that out there. So if you do that, we're burning you at the stake. That's the new law. Mm. Okay. Uh, whether Burgett, Vernon, or Garnier were mentally ill, acted under the influence of hallucinogenic substance, or were just mm. simply cold-blooded killers is up for mm-hmm. debate, but mm-hmm. it likely didn't matter to superstitious Europeans during that time frame, which was around the 16th century. To them, such heinous crimes could only be committed by a horrific beast, thus werewolf is kind of what they pegged it as. Um, some legends maintain werewolves shapeshifted at will due to a curse. However, others say that they transformed with the help of an enchanted sash or cloak made of wolf pelt, which we saw in the original story. 
Um, and then even others, uh, to our credit, claim that people would become werewolves after being scratched or bit by them. There's also the full moon situation where you're right. forced into becoming the werewolf. And um, that theory may not be as far-fetched as we think. According to a study conducted at Australia's Calvary Mater Newcastle Hospital, a full moon brings out the beast, in quotes, in many humans, which there's a lot of talk and i know this to be true in like hospitals and things as well like when it's a full moon everything kind of goes a little cray cray yes and maybe you i don't do it so yes i would love to speak to this this is i would just like to say first of all that if you work in a hospital you know this to be true you know this to be fact and like i it's not based in any science necessarily it's just the way that it is and i don't know maybe it's just like suggestion yeah um but like i know when i worked on a full moon mm-hmm. all of my patients were a little yes. just like things were happening it wasn't necessarily violent behavior but it was right. definitely like something was going wrong yeah. like or somebody was just acting not right or right. you know something crazy was happening could be like, and a, yeah internal especially, chemistry especially yeah exactly yeah. i don't know i i like being a healthcare worker because there is a <laughs> healthy level of like superstition yeah and it just makes me i don't know it's just it's like kind of fun i don't I, know yeah absolutely yeah. no i could so, see that uh, so yeah but yeah it no yeah. it's 100% true i will i would stake my career on it like yeah if there's a full moon, something weird is going to happen. Yeah. And I, I can say even outside of like the hospital, I've never worked in a hospital. Of course, I'm not a, a health provider or anything, but I can say for certain in general, the full moon does bring out a lot of weirdness. <laughs> yeah. But the study found, in fact, that 91, uh, the, the 91 violent acute behavior incidents at the hospital that they were studying between August 2008 and July 2009, 23% happened during a full moon. So I doesn't, it doesn't sound necessarily convincing, but percentages in that realm, pretty high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patients would attack staff and display wolf-like behaviors, such as biting, spitting, and scratching, although many were under the influence of drugs, of course, or alcohol at the time. Right. So again, you're talking about someone who's in there for a reason, potentially medically, but it could be mental substance, whatever. A lot of dementia patients, too, experience those things. Correct. Exactly. So, of course, it's unclear exactly what may have influenced it or whether it was just a coincidence that it happened on a full moon as well. Right. To your credit, not a lot of studies been done, but for some reason we all know it to be true. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's it for werewolves. Great. The last one we're going to talk about before our break is zombies, which is great. <laughs> um, Also another fan favorite, I feel. True. So the zombie is often portrayed as an undead, flesh-eating, decaying corpse and has Gross. seen, I know, and has seen a popularity surge in recent years thanks to, of course, media, you know, it is. Right. Yeah. Is so The Walking Dead was very right. popular. My mom watched that show religiously for a while. 
And I'll say even before that one, there's tons of zombie movies and takes on zombies. There's video games, obviously, that freaking Michael Jackson. Like, we've seen it, right? Unlike many other monsters, which are mostly a product of superstition and fear, zombies do, in fact, have a basis in fact. Several credible reports in medical journals describe people using certain compounds to first induce paralysis in people and then revive them. In Haitian voodoo culture, folklore featuring undead beings has been around for centuries. A zombie, according to pop culture and folklore, is usually either a reawakened corpse with a ravenous appetite or someone bitten by another zombie, which has now been infected by, quote, a zombie virus. Uh, They are usually portrayed as strong but kind of robotic beings with, of course, rotting flesh because they are undead by definition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gross. Their only mission is to feed and they typically don't really have conversations outside of a little "Mm," and that's about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The ancient Greeks may have been the first civilization terrorized by a fear of the undead as archaeologists have unearthed many ancient graves which contain skeletons pinned down by rocks and other heavy objects (laughs) assumedly to prevent them from reanimating which apparently was a very real fear. I love that. I I love that they're like, okay, so Steve is dead. We just want to make sure Steve. he doesn't, he yes, doesn't come back Greece, to haunt Steve. us. <laughs> so we're just going to make sure that we like have a bunch of weights in there so that yeah. he can't get out. Yeah. We're just going to take Steve's body and put him under in a thousand rocks. <laughs> yeah. Zombie folklore has been around for centuries in Haiti as well, possibly originating in the 17th century when West African slaves were brought into work on Haiti's sugar sugar cane plantations. I don't know why that was so hard to say all at once. (laughs) Brutal conditions left the slaves longing for freedom, and according to some reports, the life or rather afterlife of a zombie represented the horrific plight of slavery. Voodoo sometimes spelled uh, V-O-D-O-U or V-O-D-U-N, although here it's spelled V-O-O-D-O-O, the one that you would probably normally see out and about, is in fact a religion based in West Africa and practiced throughout Haiti and the Caribbean, Brazil, the South, uh, the American South, and other places with an African-based heritage. Yeah. Many people who follow the voodoo religion today do believe in zombies as a myth, though some believe zombies are actually people revived by a voodoo practitioner known as a bulker. Bulkers have a tradition of using herbs, shells, fish, animal parts, bones, and of course other objects to create concoctions, including zombie powders, which contain tetrodotoxin, a deadly neurotoxin found in puffer fish, which is why you shouldn't be eating that, and some other marine species. So that's great. I think um, in The Sims, actually, if you eat pufferfish, you just dangle with death in The Sims as well. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, pufferfish, Susie, they allude to that. This makes me think of um, the American Horror Story season Coven. Uh, And because like there's the witches, obviously, who are like the main storyline, but then it takes place in New Orleans. And so the witches live in this like mansion but then there's also they touch on like voodoo practices oh. of the african-american like and they have to team up with the witches to like beat the ghost it's a whole thing cool. um yeah it's it's really cool hmm. well used carefully at sublethal doses 
This specific neurotoxin combination may cause zombie-like symptoms, such as difficulty walking, which I would argue can be done with something as simple as a beer or two, uh, mental confusion, which I would also say the same for, and then respiratory problems, um, which I guess you could say, I don't I don't know. If I mean, the lights are thing, on, but, but nobody's home. That's absolutely. basically what's happening. Yeah. Yes. Um, high doses of it, however, can lead to total paralysis and, of course, coma, neither of which is great. And this could, of course, cause someone to appear dead and be buried alive and then unfortunately revive, although just come out of the coma or come out of paralysis is really what's happening. Sure. And though it's rare, there are several credible reports in medical journals of people using these compounds to induce the paralysis in people and then, quote, revive them from the grave. But again, that's not actually what's happening. You're just coming out of paralysis. A 1997 article in the British medical journal, The Lancet, described three verifiable accounts of zombies. In one case, a Haitian woman who appeared to be dead was buried in a family tomb only to reappear three years later. Spooky. An investigation revealed that her tomb was filled with stones and her parents agreed to admit her to a local hospital. That's horrifying. Um, also, being buried alive is mentally t- very taxing on me. <laughs> like, I don't. It's horrifying. like one of my greatest fears. Absolutely. Um, in another well-documented case, a Haitian man named Clervius Narcissi. Narcissi Mm -hmm. uh, entered a local hospital with severe respiratory problems in 1962. Afterwards, he'd slipped into a coma and was declared dead, of course, being buried shortly after. But 18 years later, 18 years later, a man walked up to Angelica Narcissi in a village marketplace, insisting she was his sister. Doctors, townspeople, and family members all identified him as Clarvius, who claimed he had been buried alive, dug up, and put to work on a distant sugar plantation. That's also super creepy. (laughs) I don't like any of this. (laughs) Zombies! Um, And I'm going to leave you with zombies, and we're going to head into a break and take a little bit of a spooky breather. Hey man, did you hear Mediocre Content Podcast has more social platforms now? Whoa, no way. What do they need those for? I thought they barely had an email. Not sure, but they gotta be Delulu if they think that many people are trying to find them. Exactly. Well, I guess we should play into their delusion then. Here are the ways you can contact the NCP host, you know, if you really want to. Connect with NCP on Gmail, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you want to listen to podcasts. Or you can find all of their contacts by visiting Linktree slash Mediocre Content Podcast. Now good luck in the second half of the pod. You'll need it. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the little break. We're now going to end the pod with mummies which is great yay basic american ghost stories also great spooky and then we'll end with the infamy himself the devil seems good i mean you gotta talk about (laughs) it you gotta talk yeah 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 so mummies 
Um, I think that the thing about mummies, right, is the fact that they are very much real. It's not like it's just based in folklore and like imagination station and things like that. Like there are mummies. And that is correct. It is a real thing. Uh, A mummy is a person or animal whose body has been dried or otherwise preserved after death. And when people think of a mummy, they often, of course, think of ancient Egyptians who have been making mummies as early as 37 BC, 3700 BC, excuse me. Uh, Mummies may not literally rise from their ancient tombs and attack with their arms outstretched, such as the Hollywood era versions. Mm -hmm. But they are, of course, quite real and do have a rather fascinating history. The practice of preserving a body as a mummy is widespread across the globe and throughout time, so even outside of Egypt, for example. Uh, Other civilizations, such as the Incans, Australian Aboriginals, Aztecs, Africans, Ancient Europeans, and of course others, have practiced some form of mummification for thousands of years to honor and preserve the bodies of the dead. Mummification rituals do, of course, vary by culture, and it's thought that some cultures mummified all of their citizens. Others reserved the rite of passage for the wealthy or people of status. Uh, Since most bacteria can't thrive in extreme temperatures, exposing a corpse to the sun, fire, or freezing temperatures was an uncomplicated way to create a mummy, and we kind of figured that out from Mercy and her story when they thought she was a vampire. (laughs) right. Uh, Some mummies happened by accident. Take, for instance, the accidental mummies of Guanajuato. Guanajuato. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, Which is a collection of over 100 mummies found buried in above ground crypts in Mexico. Those bodies weren't mummified on purpose. Instead, it's thought that either via extreme heat or the area's rich geological stores of sulfur and other minerals, uh, that's exactly what would have spurred the actual mummification process. Because you can find, you know, like in bogs, you can find fully preserved bodies because of the chemicals and other minerals that are there or like when the volcano erupted um in pompeii same thing like all the ash like covered everybody right exactly so there are of course accidental versions of this it's not always just a ritualistic practice Uh, some buddhist monks did practice self-mummification by spending years starving their bodies and only eating foods that promoted decay and once their body fat was completely gone, they Sorry. spent. It's fine. It's, it's it's interesting. They spent a few more years drinking poisonous sap to cause vomiting, getting rid of all bodily fluids. The poison also made the body an unsavory future host for corpse-eating bugs, which is great. When the time was right, the monks were then bur- buried alive to await death and mummification. <laughs> Uh, it did, of course, come quickly, but self-mummification seldom worked. So they were essentially trying to, while alive, embalm themselves. That's wild. <laughs> and when you say it like that, it is. Well, and it's kind of like, oh, so what diet are you doing, uh, <laughs> Mark? Diets. And then it's like, well, actually, I'm just trying to embalm myself. So <laughs> I'm just going to eat everything that's disgusting and makes yes. me want to barf all the I time. can't wait till the bugs get me, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of weird. Uh, It is weird. 
But no matter how a body was mummified, the end was to preserve as much skin and tissue as possible, and the priests of ancient Egypt are considered the experts on this exact process. Egypt's arid climate made it easy to dry out and, of course, then mummify a corpse. But the Egyptians routinely used a more elaborate process to ensure the dead experienced safe passage to the afterlife because it was part of their ritual of the dead. Right. The mummification process for royalty and often the wealthy included washing the body, removing all organs, sands the heart, and placing them in jars, packing the body and organs in salt to remove moisture, embalming the body with resins, essential oils, and such, such as myrrh, cassia, juniper oil, and cedar oil, wrapping the uh, embalmed corpse then in several layers of linen. Uh, ancient Egyptians of all walks of life mummified deceased family members, but the process wasn't as elaborate for the poor. Um, and that's also just because resources were not there as well. Some of those yeah. oils and things were quite expensive and could only be afforded by the wealthy at the time. Mm-hmm. So according to Egyptologist Salima Akram, some corpses were simply filled with juniper oil to dissolve the organs before burial instead of having them precisely removed and things like that. Interesting. Perhaps the best known mummy in modern history is, of course, King Tut, commonly known um, to have been in his tomb and found in 1922 by British archaeologist Howard Carter. Uh, It was an exhilarating find for the team, I'm sure, yet it was destined to be overshadowed by several unexplained deaths. And um, if you listened to our uh, Don't Stop Opening the Pyramids uh, episode... (laughs) Um, not a great thing if you believe in superstitions to just raid somebody's tomb. <laughs> right. No, exactly. According to folklore, disturbing a mummy's tomb then leads to death. The superstition didn't rattle Carter, however, nor stop him from exhuming Tut's tomb. Not Useless. cool. <laughs> I know. He should have consulted the rest of us. For real. Uh, still, when several people involved in his expedition died early of unnatural causes, the story was sensationalized by the media even though the so-called curse spared Carter's life. Mummies became more than religious symbols of the ancient world in the early 20th century with the debut of Bram Stoker's novel, which we've already talked about, um, originally with vampires. This other novel was called The Jewel of the Seven Stars, which featured them as supernatural villains, the mummies. Right, got it. But it was Boris Karloff's portrayal of a mummy in 1932 movie The Mummy, that made them mainstream monsters. Later movies, such as The Mummy's Tomb, The Mummy's Curse, of course, portrayed them as heavily bandaged mute beings they are known as today. And fictional mummies can't feel pain like other horror monsters are hard to kill, the most effective way being to send them to a permanent demise uh, is to set them on fire. So again... So really, fire is your friend if you're dealing with anything supernatural. You need fire and trees. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Despite being real and creepy, mummies don't have the same notoriety... Notoriety... I can't say notoriety. <laughs> notoriety. As zombies, werewolves, and vampires, uh, they may change as Hollywood releases new mummy movies with spine-chilling storylines and, of course, unnerving special effects. So, good that's a mummy um i don't know also why an easy halloween 
Oh, yeah. So Jinx has been <laughs> messing up. I'm so sorry. It's okay. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> I was going to say mummies are a very easy Halloween costume because you really just need a roll of toilet paper and then you, you're a mummy. Done. Easy done. That's right. Uh, on to ghosts. So these have more to do with ghost stories. Ghosts are so prevalent. There's ghost hunters. There's like all of these things. Um out in media and have been for a very long time a lot like these other ones but uh this in particular is discussing american ghost stories because all cultures have spooky tales as such Mm -hmm. do you believe in ghosts kirsten uh yeah i do i think yeah yeah I, i i don't necessarily subscribe to the they're there to like hurt you and torment you i mean sure maybe some right do yeah uh, i also am like look man like we got to share a space so we got to be cool that's all i'm saying right um, anyway <laughs> i also think that um tangent i also think that um sometimes people who bring bad energy diffuse bad energy into the mm. space so sometimes if somebody is coming in with like poor intent or a poor energy around you you may chalk things up that are going wrong to ghosts or something like that but in reality i think energy has a lot to do with it too fair i think what you put out you get back in a lot of instances totally i agree absolutely Uh, do you believe in ghosts i would say yes and no um i'm i think if they do exist i think there's a lot of them that are just kind of there you know they're not yeah they don't really have malicious intent um but every once in a while you know you hear of that i also like the idea of if you're a cat owner you know that your cat sometimes like meows at nothing yeah and i like the idea that my cat can see something that's not there or like that or see something that is there that i can't see rather also anytime my cats do that they never look afraid it's right. always more of a curiosity. Right. And I exactly. think that says a lot. If they are real, for example, it says a lot about their presence. Like they're right. just vibing, you know? Exactly. And I think that's fair. We got a lot of weird stuff in this generation. They probably have no idea what's going on half the time. And I feel terrible on being unable to It's our to cat's job it. to tell them what's happening. <laughs> Cougar, I'm going to need you to explain <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> Meanwhile, all she speaks is cat. <laughs> right. It's just rough out there. So, um, as in many cultures, tales of spooky visitors from the grave abound throughout American history, as other cultures as well, because there's just, you know, people die, and that's unfortunate, but it's the truth. Some anecdotes relate to the sightings of dead shipmen. Another famous tale involves the portrait of a forgotten beauty, and many of the enduring ghost stories describe famous men and women who have passed throughout even the White House. One such story, actually, is that of the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. He is remembered for his vital role as the leader in preserving the Union during the Civil War and beginning the process that led to the end of slavery in the United States. He's remembered for his character, his speeches, letters, and being a man of humble origins whose determination and perseverance led him to the nation's highest office. However, he is also, of course, remembered for his quite untimely death and his supposed afterlife in the white house 
which is Mm -hmm. kind of creepy. Sorry for anyone who lives there currently. That's horrifying. Um, For the years, presidents, first ladies, guests, and members of the White House staff have claimed to have either seen Lincoln or felt his presence. The melancholy bearing of Lincoln himself and several instances of eerie uh, pre-science on his part only add to the legends of of the great emancipator's ghost. By the time of his 1864 re-election, deep lines etched Lincoln's face and heavy black circles underlined his eyes. During his years as commander-in-chief, he had slept little and taken no vacations, and there may have been more to his sadness than even he would admit, because, apparently, Lincoln dreamed of his own death. Hmm. That would be scary. I understand. A little depressy. I definitely would not sleep after that. No. (laughs) Ward Hill Lamon, who was a close friend of the president's, wrote down what Lincoln told him on an evening in early 1865. It said, about 10 days ago, I retired very late. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. I arrived at the East Room, which is in the White House. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before me was a catafalque, I think that's how you say it, on which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people, some gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face covered um, others weeping pitifully. Who is dead in the White House? I demanded one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. End quote. That's creepy. If you haven't already, now would be the time to like dim the lights in your room, turn on a pumpkin spice candle and just get yourself a nice cup of tea or coffee or whatever. And just listen to Kirsten tell these beautiful ghost stories. I thought about having an entire pod of just us telling ghost stories. That that would be so fun. fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Maybe that's what we should do on stream. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that would be super fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe we do that. Um, So yeah, basically... Um, Lincoln saw himself passing or passed in his dream and it was not the first time apparently that he saw his own death soon after his election in 1860 he'd seen a double image of his face reflected in a mirror in his Springfield Illinois home one was his real face and the other a pale imitation Lincoln's superstitious wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, did not see the mirror images, but was deeply troubled by her husband's account of the incident. She prophesied that the sharper image indicated that he would serve out his first term. The faint ghost-like image was a sign, she said, that he would be re-nominated for a second term, but would not live to complete it. And ironically, that is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. On April 14, 1865, President Lincoln was shot by a Southern sympathizer, John Wilkes Booth, in the back of the head as he watched Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater. He died at 722 the next morning, which was April 15th. And it is true that the tragedy had not stopped Lincoln long before his presidential term. His beloved mother, Nancy Honks Lincoln, Honks, Hanks. Hanks, I don't, I don't, Honks, <laughs> Nancy Hanks Lincoln, <laughs> died when her son was nine and when lincoln's first love Anne rutledge died of typhoid fever he lapsed into a melancholy that may have led to his emotional breakdown a few years later 
1842, at the age of 33, Lincoln married then Mary Todd Lincoln, but the union was not a particularly happy one. Mary had a mercurial, mercurial temperament and a strong belief in the supernatural. It was her influence that led, her, led to her husband's interest in spiritualism, though he always regarded it with some healthy skepticism, as you should. The Lincolns had four sons, but only Robert Todd lived to adulthood. Edward died at age four, and young Willie succumbed to a fever during his father's first term as president, which is super sad. Um, Tad died at 18 after his father's death, and Lincoln was shattered by Willie's death and often visited the crypt where the child was buried. He would sit for hours weeping copiously as Miss Lincoln's urging seances were held at the White House with the hope of communicating with their dead sons. The her sister was a witch. Her sister was a witch, <laughs> and her and her father smelled of elderberries. Is that what? It is? Yeah. The results of these seances were not entirely satisfying, and it's believed that Lincoln attended only two of them. Uh, Liz Carpenter, who was the press secretary to Lady Bird Johnson, told author John Alexander that Mrs. Johnson believed she'd felt Lincoln's presence one spring evening while watching a television program about his death. She noticed a plague she'd never seen before hanging over the fireplace. Or plaque, I'm sorry. Plaque, not plague. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> just, it, just a virus. Just, just like chilling there. <laughs> um, there was a plaque she'd never seen. It mentioned Lincoln's importance in that room in some way. Mrs. Johnson admitted feeling a strange coldness and a decided sense of unease. This disquieting apprehension has been felt by others. Grace Coolidge, wife of Calvin Coolidge, the 13th president, was the first person to report having actually seen the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. She stood, he said he stood at a window at the Oval Office, hands clasped behind his back, gazing out over the Potomac, perhaps still seeing the bloody battlefields beyond. The ghost of Lincoln has, was seen frequently during the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt when the country went through a devastating depression, then a world war. When Queen Wilhelmine, oh my God. Wilhelmina. Wilhelmina, that's such a cute name, if only I could say it right, of the Netherlands, was a guest at the White House during that period. She was awakened one night by a knock on her bedroom door. Mm. Thinking, I know. <laughs> Thinking it might be an important message, she got up and opened the door. The top-hatted figure of President Lincoln stood in the hallway. The queen immediately fainted, <laughs> which is unfortunate. <laughs> I like Kirsten it. when she gets her blood drawn. <laughs> oh, God. This again? <laughs> get me out of here. Uh, when she came to, she was lying on the floor and the apparition had vanished. Which would be spooky, to be fair. That would make my blood pressure drop. <laughs> yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt, Roosevelt used Lincoln's bedroom as her study, uh, which would not be my first choice. <laughs> Um, and although she denied seeing the former president's ghost, she did admit to feeling his presence whenever she worked late at night. She thought uh, he was standing behind her, peering over her shoulder. Uh, so nosy is what I'm getting out of that. Mm, yeah. Stories of a ghostly President Lincoln wandering the corridors and rooms of the White House persist, but are not officially acknowledged. The gangly prairie lawyer with the black stovepipe hat and long sad face was the kind of a man whom legends naturally collect. If one were to believe in ghosts, one would have to believe that the benevolent spirit of Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents, according to this article, still watches over the nation he fought so gallantly to preserve. Lovely. And that's Lincoln's ghost. 
uh, and now we come to a crescendo with the, uh, I would say out of all of these, probably the most iconic and well-known quote monsters, if you will. The devil. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, every culture has some form of this. Uh, so it's just, it's just what it is. You know? It is what it is. You're so right. It really is. He is what he is, I guess. I don't know. Anybody seen Lucifer Morningstar? It's great. I got through the first season and that was it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Anyway, the devil is also referred to as Satan and is known as the nemesis of good people everywhere. Uh, although the devil is present in some form in many religions and can be compared to some mythological gods, he's arguably best known for his role in Christianity, of course. His image and story have evolved over the years, but this malevolent, 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 that's awful. His malevolent being and his legion of demons continue to strike fear in people as the antithesis of all things good. Although the devil is present in some form um, in many religions, uh, modern biblical translations do consider the devil to be the adversary directly of God and God's people. It's commonly thought that the devil first showed up in the Bible in the book of Genesis as, of course, the serpent who convinced Eve, who then convinced Adam, to eat forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. As the story goes, after Eve fell for the devil's conniving ways, she and Adam were then banished from the garden and doomed to mortality. Many Christians believe the devil was once a beautiful angel named Lucifer, who then defied God and fell from grace. This assumption that he is a fallen angel is often based on uh, the book of Isaiah in the Bible, which says... How Isaiah. Are... Look, listen here. <laughs> I'm just trying to clarify. That's all. Isaiah, Isawa, Isaiah. You, you. Name I know it. what you meant. We know <laughs> what you meant. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, morning star? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? I guess it weakened the nations. <laughs> Great. It's rude. Some biblical scholars, however, claim Lucifer isn't a proper name but a descriptive phrase meaning morning star, uh, which is why it's called Lucifer morning star in the series. Still the name stuck and the devil is often referred to as Lucifer. So they're considered synonymous. Okay. Other names, however, can be Prince of Darkness, Belzebub, Mephistopheles, Baphomet, Lord of the Flies, which is a great book, the Antichrist, Father of Lies, Moloch, or simply Satan. Um, my favorite, if you had to ask me, is actually Mephisto, because um, in the newest Diablo series, uh, he is a dog, and I love that. Oh. Yeah. Nice. He, I mean, he's a demon dog, but he's right. a dog, so. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just saying. Very nice. The book of Ezekiel includes another biblical passage Christians refer to as proof of the devil's existence. It admonishes the greedy king of Tyre, but also refers to the king as a cherub who was once in the Garden of Eden. As a result, some Bible translators believe that the king of Tyre was a personification of the devil. Um, the devil makes more appearances, of course, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. 
Jesus and many of his apostles warned people to stay alert for the devil's cunning enticements that would lead them to ruin. And it was the devil who tempted Jesus in the wilderness to fall down and worship him in exchange for riches and glory, which Jesus did not do, of course. Uh, most other religions and cultures teach of an evil being who roams the earth wreaking havoc and fighting against the forces of good. In Islam, the devil is known as Shaitan. And like the devil in Christianity, it is also thought to have rebelled against God. In Judaism, Satan is a verb instead of a noun and mm -hmm. generally refers to a difficulty or temptation to overcome instead of a literal being. Yeah, because in Judaism, there's no hell. Right. right. So. so it's like the action is the problem. Correct. In Buddhism, Mara is the demon that tempted Buddha away from his path of enlightenment. So much like Jesus of Christianity resisted the devil, Buddha also then resisted temptation and defeated Mara. In people of almost any religion, or even in those who don't follow a religion, the devil is almost always synonymous with fear, punishment, negativity, and immorality. Perhaps the most lasting images are associated with hell and the devil together, which the Bible refers to as a place of everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Still, the Bible doesn't state the devil will reign over hell, just that he'll eventually be banished there, which right. I don't think a lot of people know. Yeah, but I think people get confused with like Hades and uh, like correct. that situation. Yes. Because Hades is the ruler of the underworld. Right. Right. Yeah. So just fact check, everyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fact checks. The idea that the devil governs hell may have come from a poem by Dante uh, Alighieri, oh. mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. in, I understand. Uh, the Divine Comedy, uh, published in the early 14th century. In this poem, God created hell when he threw the devil and his demons out of heaven with such power that they created an enormous hole in the center of the earth. In his poem, Dante portrayed the devil as a grotesque winged creature with three faces, each chewing on a devious sinner, whose wings blew freezing cold winds throughout hell's domain, which to me is kind of like counterintuitive if you're in a fire pit. You're going to freeze everything at the same time? It's interesting. Did it say that it was a fire pit? Because yeah. hell sometimes is is hot. Like some people <laughs> depict it as hot. Hell is so hot. <laughs> sometimes they depict it as an old cold. and desolate. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like all of the seven layers of hell and Dante's yeah. Inferno, like that whole thing. So yeah. It really just depends on, on what you're looking at. The thing is, as descriptive as Dante is about what the devil looks like, the Bible doesn't actually describe him in that much detail. Early artistic interpretations of the Divine Comedy feature shocking images of the devil and his demons inflicting almost unimaginable human suffering, only emboldened people's thoughts about hell and the devil, of course, so they just took that and ran with it. By the Middle Ages, the devil had taken on the appearance of the horned, trident-wielding figure with hooves for feet and a long tail, an image that has endured to modern times. Fear of the devil is at least partially reasonable, of course, <laughs> for the witchcraft hysteria of Europe and New England in the 16th and 17th centuries, which we did yeah. talk about with the witches. Mm-hmm. 
Protestants and Catholics alike accused many people of practicing witchcraft and or then making deals with said devil. And the Puritans living in New England's early colonies were petrified. Naturally. <laughs> like, I just, I kind of feel like if you're given that image and you're given that rhetoric, of course, you're going to be scared. Right. Yeah. No, just, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, for sure. So they believed he gave powers to witches who were then faithful to him. And of course, this gave rise to the Salem witch trials and other alike in the New England area. The Puritans' strict life lifestyle, uh, the fear of outsiders and their terror of so-called devil's magic led them to accuse all of those people. Um, this article claims that instead of the 100-something, it was actually 200. And instead of 18, it was like 20 I think mm. the numbers are just kind of all over the place. And I don't think they reported all of the ones that were actually killed because of this. Cause that would be insane. Right. <laughs> I, there was definitely more in my opinion. Uh, even so throughout history, the devil's reputation, rep reputation, you're doing an, great. I'm doing so good. There's been a lot of material um, as an evildoer hasn't changed. Most Christians still believe he's literally transformed the world and is responsible for much of the world's corruption and chaos. Not all religions do shun the devil, though. So people of the Church of Satan, known as Satanists, of course, don't worship the devil, but embrace him as a symbol of atheism, pride and liberty, among other things. Other types uh, are theistic Satanists who actually do worship the devil as a deity. So there is a difference there. They may practice satanic rituals or even make satan satanic packs. There's, of course, no shortage of Hollywood films featuring the devil. And uh, given the immense draw of the classic battle between good and evil, it is likely that the devil's influence is here to stay. And um, they'll continue to influence religion and pop culture alike. Fun times, mm -hmm. I guess. I don't I, yeah. you know. Whatever. Well, and on that note, um, we <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i've not i thought i thought the transition was going to come to me and it didn't oh well i know um, that sucks it's fine <laughs> um well we hope you guys have a very happy halloween i know this comes out a little bit before that yeah. um but we won't be releasing an episode on halloween this year so that's true because we, we hope have you have a very plans. happy halloween listen to this on halloween if you feel so inclined oh heck yeah um educate yourself on what's out there on halloween mm -hmm. october does have a uh, friday the 13th this month it also has a um full like super moon thing so just right. be aware right it's it's shocked full this October. It is. It is. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a, it's a spooky one. Um, so with that being said, um, this wraps up our episode of mediocre content. Um, feel free to send us an email with any questions, comments, concerns, episode topic suggestion, ghost stories at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Meteor Content Podcast or catch up with us every other Thursday on Twitch at Meteor Content Podcast at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or at 11 p.m. BST. I wish don't I Don't forget BST to rate us. <laughs> so do I. Um, <laughs> don't forget to rate us five stars anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, we'll be seeing you next week. Cheers. Cheers.